The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome, boys and girls, back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, as you know, the illustrious Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the beast from not so much the East. You like that one? The beast from not in the East. Well, yeah, because you're from, you're, you're from. I'm Pac Northwest. Well, uh, more like fucking Midwest. But oh, okay. yeah, Midwest. You, uh, originally, yes, I was born in, I was born in a small town called Hayward in Iowa. Yes. Damn it. The underdog. Underwood. Say hi, Tam Tam. Hi, everybody. So I'll tell you what, man. I am proud of Tam Tam because we did a show last night at a place called Heavy Metal Brewing, and it was an amazing show. The videos, I got to tell First you, Tam. First of all, stop. Thank you, everybody who came out and saw us yeah. out there. We, I mean, that was a fun crowd last night. It was. It, I wanted to say so thank fun. you before you went into your thingy. <laughs> But, but go yeah, ahead. <laughs> no, you, you you did a great job, man. The, the videos are tight, and it was, you're right. It was an amazing crowd last night. Yeah, it was a, a very fun, fun crowd, and I think I liked it because it was a younger crowd too. You right. Because we had kids and stuff, and I remember there was one point when I was videoing, and one of the I think it's the daughter of one or granddaughter of one of the tangent members. Oh yeah, that's a uh, uh, Dan Chin. The uh, that's his kids, right? Yeah, that's yeah. his. That's his grandkids. Oh okay. Well, anyways, she was trying. To, she kept looking at me, and she noticed that I was videoing. So she just kind of stood there with her plate. I go, "It's okay if you go." And she goes, "I don't want to enter." And she pointed at the camera and said, "Just do it," <laughs> you know, because it's like she was just so polite. Well, I gotta tell you, man, everybody in Tangent is fantastic. We've done, yeah. God, I, I can't even count how many shows we've done together. But they've always been fantastic. They're a solid band. We always have a great time. But I'll tell you, I was the happiest because. Uh, a friend of mine, Lexi Rawls, was there. Uh huh. Um, and he's in a band called Anana Ray and then uh, Trial by Fire as well. And him and Dan Chin were the ones that were up there playing guitar during yeah, that Megadeth they, song. They had like that, yeah, that guitar off or whatever. Yeah, I, the, the, that was amazing. They are two of my favorite guitar players. And that is coming from you locally know, like, or ever. Ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two of my no, favorites because, yeah. you know, we, well, number one, we're all friends. But, um, it's it's just always fun. It's it's fun doing a show with either one of them. Okay. And the the weird thing was is that Lexi playing tonight. So when he first got uh, when when he first created uh, Trial by Fire, their first show was at that venue. Oh, okay. And they opened for us. Oh, okay. So it was it was kind of cool for us all to be there and 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 all doing a show together. It was, it was pretty great. Yeah, well, and I I had talked to Lexi on the patio after that. I was like, so you showed up just for a brief cameo? He goes, yeah. I said, dude, that was tight. It was awesome. Yeah, you can't you so. can't go wrong with those two. I fucking I love them. All right, so let's get into this right here. You gave me a name of Jeffrey Don Lundgren. Yeah, it's like a Dolph Lundgren. It sounds to me it sounds like a Dolph Lundgren of Nazis. That's what it sounds. Well, like. no, he's um not a Nazi so much, but you're not gonna like him. Oh, I bet you that I will. Now that you oh, no, he's, that he's not a Nazi. Dieter, he's not. I mean, not even close. He was a Mormon prophet. <sighs> Why do you have to break my heart all the I'm time, s- Miss I'm sorry. I don't know. You, you, you make me very sad deep in my soul. I know. But you know what? I always enjoy when you come out and talk to me. Well, continue with your presentation, Miss Okay. Tammy. Now, um, it is not 
I mean, unfortunately, especially here in America, but I know it happens all over the world, we encounter certain sects of sect, S-E-C-T, of people that um, have broken off from the traditional branches of religion, right? Right. Um, And most of that's because they start following um, somebody who is a self-proclaimed prophet of God. Um, Basically, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to, I mean, it's hard for me to put this into words because I experienced my own personal uh, thing with a megalomaniac is what I like to call them. Um, But these are people who start off truly wanting to spread the word of God all over, right? It's like they have a, a passion for it. They, you know, they really, in, you know, have a deep religious belief and they want to share that with people. But unfortunately, some people, that goes to their head where people start listening to them and they start, you know, gaining a following and then it becomes so out of control that they start believing they are God or they're getting messages directly from God. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Where, you know, so it's like, but if you are a true messenger or prophet of God, there are certain responsibilities, heavy responsibilities with that. However, because, you know, that's a sacred covenant. However, we are also very familiar with those uh, self-professed prophets who manipulate people and their status to commit the most horrific acts imaginable. Let's not even talk about, you know, because we we were talking about it just a couple days ago, you, me, and the intern, about um, Jim Jones and the Kool-Aid. Right, right, right. You know? And so when it comes to um, Jeffrey Don Lundgren, he actually broke the ultimate commandment, thou shalt not kill, Right? He was a self-professed prophet that did just that when he killed five innocent people of one family in cold blood. Like the, the parents and the children, all. Um, let, so let's start at the beginning. Jeffrey Don Lundgren was born in 1950 on May 3rd in a little town called Independence, Missouri. He was the son of Don and Louis Gadbury Lundgren, and his dad had a prosperous job working in construction, and his mother did everything she could to meet the needs of Jeff and his little brother and take care of the house. So she was basically a housewife, and she kept the house in immaculate order. It was like, from my understanding from the documentaries I saw, it was like white glove style. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, you know, Housewives get a kind of a bad rap. All they, in all. they 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 don't get well, enough <laughs> um, credit because God, they you know while 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 your dude's out and he's trying you know and he's supporting everybody, he's doing his deal. She's doing everything behind the scenes to make sure that the whole shit show of our lives, right? You know, kind of stay going. Well, exactly. I mean, and single mothers, too. I mean, because I found when I was trying to enter back into the workforce after, you know, being a single, you know, uh, stay-at-home mom forever, it's like they don't take into consideration that, A, you're a manager, you're a taxi driver, you're an accountant, you're a chef, you're all that crap and more, you know, but it's not experience. (laughs) And if you pay a little bit of extra. Shut up. (laughs) 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 <laughs> a little bit more than what you have to pay in Bangkok, Thailand. Um, You're you so can, dumb. You can get pegged. 
Anyways. Oh, was that a bad one? No, but that wasn't as bad as some of them I've heard from you. See, I'm trying to be better. Yeah. And, oh wait a minute, hold on. And we got a complaint. I got a I got a complaint real quick. Okay, you ready? Uh, I no, because <laughs> yes. I know where you're going. <laughs> a certain person. Go. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. No. Complain that I uh, cuss too much. Yeah. It's a news flash. This is my show. T- actually, it wasn't just that you cuss too much. Uh, it's specific- what you say one specific thing. Yeah. <laughs> too much. Which, and I'm, I'm trying not to cuss as much, but it's, it's... We are trying not to cuss as much. It's JC. You know, Jesus and then whatever. Um, I say Jesus Christ Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My show, man. I'm going to cuss as much as I want. And if nobody likes it, then fine. Just don't listen to the episode. Change no, the channel. I mean... Because <laughs> I... Because I still want to say who it is. Because I, I want to blast him. No, I, I'm addicted to cussing, and I can't. I, you know, I can't me help too. It. Me too. And uh, and you know, I'm going like cussers anonymous now or something. Well, and and <laughs> no, I told you what's to funny about this is that the person who made the complaint. So obviously, you know that the person is close to me. I know this person very well. Who made the complaint used to cuss worse than a sailor on a drunken shore leave. Well, she found Jesus. So, I mean, <laughs> that's that's the difference. You ever notice that? Like, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I've noticed this like, with my alcoholic friends, too. <laughs> like, people who used you to, like. You mean the ones that actually go to meetings? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're drinking and drinking. Oh, woo, party. And then all of a sudden, they quit drinking. And you go, hey, I'm going to go grab, like, a beer out of my fridge. Oh, you know what? You need to quit drinking. That's horrible. You really shouldn't drink. Dude, <laughs> no. I drink every once in a great while. I don't get drunk every night. Oh, but one beer is going to lead you down that same path. You know, hey, yeah. I, I have a seat at the meeting, a, a meeting for you. And I always look at him and go, well, I got a seat at the bar for you. <laughs> Just whenever you're ready to come back. <laughs> whenever you're ready to come back into the fold, you follow me to the bar. You follow at- me to the bar. Here's your red solo cup. Got your name on it. <laughs> That's right, man. I'll buy the first round. Yeah, man. The whole cussing thing just kind of keeps me just no, a little bit. No, it cracks me up because, you know. <laughs> what gets me, she didn't even say anything about how, how often I use the F word. No, it was that specific. It was, it was because I say Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, I, it's all good. I've, I, but, I, uh, I, I totally understand when people go, dude, you say the F word a lot. You shouldn't do that. I mean, because, like, it's every other word. And, you know, then I go, oh, yeah, you're probably right. I probably shouldn't. But, uh, yeah. For that one, I was just sitting there shaking my head going, huh? Yeah. And without mentioning any names, thank you to our listener in Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. there just, they know that we're thanking them. <laughs> sweetheart, I'm just giving you a hard yeah. time. That's all. That's all. I send yeah. you out hugs and kisses. As you say, if you would have taken, if you would have had a chance to meet him when you were here, you'd understand that he's just being a dumbass. <laughs> I give you big wet kisses. Oh, baby. yeah. Go. <laughs> and grabbing the butt. Anyways, let me get back to Lundgren. Okay, do some Lundgren Anyways, talk. Anyways, so growing up, Jeffrey's family was. His family were active participants in their local church. They were members of the Reorganized Church of Latter-day Saints, which was a splinter off of the Mormon church. Okay? The, their friends and family have said that while they did their best to raise their children, they were anything but role model parents. It's like, you know, they wouldn't have won any awards. But most of us wouldn't have. He was, Don was a very strict father. And he often punished them severely for trivial infractions. Like, for instance, while the mother was oftentimes very distant and inflexible, 
You know what I mean? Right. Because, I mean, she had to keep order in the house and everything. And so she couldn't allow herself to become, like, close with the children because she had to maintain that, you know, that drill sergeant thing, you know, and she was inflexible with them. So Jeff states today, you know, during this time that he was physically abused as a child. However, those those claims have never been confirmed. They you know, there's no substantiation to them okay. by anybody by anybody in the family or cl- people close to the family. But I'll tell you, man. Mental and emotional abuse can That's be just true. as bad, if not worse, than physical. That's true. That you know, emotional and psychological abuse are like exponentially worse than physical and sexual abuse. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah, because that like damages your psyche. You know what I mean? You know, I think it honestly it, it, it damages you down to your soul. Mm-hmm. I agree. So when he was a teenager. He had very few friends because they thought that he was arrogant. All of his classmates said, you know what? He's just stuck up. Um, one of his neighbors said that one day he saw Jeff nail a small rabbit to a piece of wood before beating it to death. So, Christ, what the hell? Yeah. So besides the obvious cruelty to animals... Um, it, I already hate the dude because you know how I feel about animals. Oh, I know. On a certain, like, that's not even one of my, you know, hey, come here, little, you know, alpaca, I want to molest you type of a joke. <laughs> that comes from last night. That you guys does. would have had to bend That's there. an inside joke. Um, but no, seriously, man, freaking hurting animals, that's that's bullshit. It's bullshit. It, it is. It is. And But you and I, I mean, we talk about it almost every episode that that is one of the warning signs of violence to come later in life. Right. That's part so, of the, uh, the triad. Yeah, the, the, the triad. And it yeah. Yeah. There's like 20 different triads. There are, but, but it, it they, started with the McDonald's triad. Right. But in, so. in, in, in all of the indicators of what's going to be a future, uh, who's going to be a future serial killer. Yeah. Or violent, have uh, violent tendencies. Yeah. It's, it's abuse to animals and, and smaller people. Yeah. The the weaker. Yeah. The weaker of the people. That's it. Not yeah. small people. I talked about midges last night, too. So now I'm stuck on little people. Oh, my God. So anyways, as Jeff grew up, his father... Because his father already had a passion for hunting and everything. So as Jeff grew up, his father kind of shared that passion with him like dads do. You know, Don often spent hours teaching Jeff how to care for and maintain firearms and eventually to use them for survival and hunting, which I think is a good thing. You know, on the surface, right? No, I, I agree. I mean, you're trying to teach me. With a BB gun, how to handle a gun. <laughs> right, but keep in mind that it's a very realistic BB gun. It is a model. very real... No, it is a very realistic BB gun, but I mean, it's about teaching me gun safety because I've never handled a real Right, gun. and I, I would rather start you and, and Jake is joining on this as well. Um, gun safety was something to where if you get shot with this sucker, yeah, it, it's going to break the skin. It's going to hurt. Yeah, you're but gonna it's bleed. not going to hurt. <laughs> you're not going to freaking die. Yeah, not going to die. Provided you don't like put it to your temple or anything. But so did you die? But did you die? <laughs> I love him. Um anyways, um so when he graduated from high school, Jeff actually <coughs> Hang on. Sorry. Ooh, you're right over there. No, I just all of a sudden it's like my throat kind of closed up. You know what it was? <coughs> that smoke from last night? It was the fo- that's why I told him not to turn that fog machine Dude. on when we were up there doing our set. Yeah, well, I was worried because Depending on the chemical they use in those fog machines, I'm, like, really, like, significantly allergic to it. I've had it, like, sometimes where my tongue and my throat swell up. 
So I was yeah. worried about that last night. And a big special thanks, by the way, to uh, Heavy Metal Brewing in Vancouver, yeah. Washington. Yeah, they were awesome. I will tell you guys this. Um, we had pizza at a higher-end place in downtown Vancouver on Friday. Yeah. The, or Thursday. Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday. It was Wednesday. And out the door, the, the pizza itself was like 50 bucks, and then... The drinks were just outrageously expensive. The, the drinks we needed, like I said, we needed alone. <laughs> and it was it was an expensive uh, expensive dinner for me, uh, Squatch and my son Jacob. And uh, the the pizza was just kind of so so wasn't really worth what we paid. Yeah, heavy metal brewing. Their their prices are a lot better, and I'm giving them a free plug. We're not even getting paid yeah, to we're do not this. getting paid for this one. No, but the yeah. pizza is always on point. Yeah, their pizza was amazing. Their drinks were good. You know, it's not super super expensive no, as no. far as places go. No. The the staff is amazing. They were phenomenal. The they only, were on it like blue bonnet. Too. The only good thing about the staff at the place we went to Wednesday was that little girl with the cutoff shirt with the big boobs. <laughs> They kind of like rode up, and you, Jake and I saw her bra. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Bet you wish you would have had that angle, huh? <laughs> I wish you would have had my hands on them. Shut up! I'm a perv. I can't. I help know myself. you. I know you are. You are and, a total and I like perv. Boobs and people. He <laughs> just likes big boobs, huh? Sweetheart, I like all boobs, big, small, perky, saggy. They're all awesome. He doesn't care. I don't care. I, he, I just love boobs. He, he is not a bigot when it comes to boobs. <laughs> Provided they don't have like a hair growing out the areola, I'm fine. Oh well, you know, just pluck it. He was that shit up before dating. So after he graduated from high school, Jeff actually enrolled at Central Missouri State University with a major in electronics. Um, Sometime during his sophomore year, he spent most of his free time at a RLDS student house. It was there that he met a guy by the name of Keith Johnson and a woman by the name of Alice Keeler. Big Johnson. While he didn't know it at the time, these two people would have a significant effect on his life and his beliefs later. Alice Keeler was born in Max Creek, Missouri on January 21st, 1951. Now, Max Creek is a small town about 160 miles out of Independence. Um, Her parents were Ralph and Donna Keeler. They were delighted with her because she was their firstborn child. You're missing a whole joke right in there. Why? Ralph and Alice. To the moon, Alice! To the moon! I know, but that's mom and son. I mean, dad and daughter, so I didn't even think about it. <laughs> and they're in Missouri. That's pretty close to Arkansas. It, it there's, is there's some pretty inbreeding. Close. I'm sure there's inbreeding yeah. going on. I'm pretty sure you're my, you might be right. <laughs> to the moon, even though you're my daughter. I was going to say, because Missouri and Arkansas like border each other. Yeah, they border each yeah, other. Yeah, the Ozarks. Yep. So anyways, Ralph was a World War II veteran, and an iron worker, and Donna was a stay-at-home mom raising the kids and looking after the home, which is very common in the Mormon religion, by the way. Um, He was not around much during when Alice was growing up because his job was about 150 miles away from home. However, he did spend the weekend with them, you know, very frequently. You know what I mean? So Uh he was like a weekend dad. Um, Weekend warriors. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Anyway, oh, even though they were still married, he was a weekend warrior. Yeah. So, anyways, she had two sisters and a brother later, um, and she seemed to be happy until she turned to until she became approximately twelve years old, and her dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. He was no longer able to provide financially for the family, so they experienced some financial hardships. 
um, her mom had to take a job as a secretary at a welfare office in order to help bring more income in. And so the majority, because the mom was now out of the home working, the majority of her dad's care was rested on her shoulders, you know. So he was soon on a wide variety of medications to, you know, try to, um, what's not like cure, but you know what I mean, cope with the MS. Right. Uh, my, my daughter's mom has MS. Yeah. You know, so... Of course, those medications included prednisone and cortisone, which are steroids. Mm -hmm. Prednisone's brutal. Yes. Well, prednisone is um, what I was on when I was pregnant that caused my calcium deficiency and my son's as well. So he was born with one. Um, But then these drugs, when they're combined and taken by somebody who has depression... It leads them into more violent behavior, almost like roid rage. You know what I mean? And not hemorrhoid rage either. No, I'm, but it's not like steroid rage that you see in the gym. It's like, it's like a, it feeds your, the prednisone and cortisone feed your depression. Yep. You know, so you lash out. Um, so when she was in, and he did direct a lot of his violence towards her and some towards her siblings. So when she was in high school, she was considered to be a loner, and she preferred going to church youth group than participating in school activities. When she graduated from high school, she enrolled at Central Missouri State University, and she became active in the youth church group and soon um, caught the eye of Jeffrey Lundgren. They immediately started to spend time together, and soon they were inseparable. By 1968, Oh God! By 1969, this is, <laughs> no, this is going to make what's going to make this even worse is Alice was pregnant, and both she and Jeff dropped out of school because it was a summer <laughs> of love. <laughs> Obviously, matter of fact, I think I'm going to have a little 1969 party for just me and your mom. I hate you. <laughs> so, anyways, Jeff's parents were so disappointed by their their son's complete lack of responsibility by getting his girlfriend pregnant and dropping out of college that they actually refused to attend the wedding in the spring of 1970. Well, I, I don't blame him, man. Yeah. Well, and here's why. Here's why. Here's why. You ready? I'm I'm waiting for it. She should have taken it in the butt. Nothing? Okay, fine. No, yeah, if you on. could see me, I hung my head in shame. <laughs> I did. I just, I can't even do it right now Same, but my my brain is my brain is so foggy because i'm still so tired from last night that i have nothing <laughs> it, was, it was i have a, nothing to give <laughs> it's a pretty exhausting night it was a good night but exhausting yeah because it take, i mean i don't even perform and it takes a lot out of me well the the, the 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 really cool thing is that like jake was on it to take care of me like more than the entire crew. Jake's like, you sure you don't need biofreeze on your shoulder? Um, oh, you know, yeah, because your shoulder's you need... been acting up a lot. Yeah, so I got so. a pinched nerve in it. I yeah. screwed it up. But, uh, yeah, as I was sitting there going, God dang, man, you're you're on it, like, yeah. more than everybody else that, you know, that, that's here. That's freaking awesome. So I felt, yeah. I felt loved. You did. You did. No, yeah, totally. I mean, and then, um, so when, after he, him and Alice were married, in order to support his new family... Jeff decided to enlist in the Navy. Um, he left for basic training on December 2nd, 1970, shortly after their first child, Damon Paul, was born. 
He served four years in the Navy as an electronics technician before he received an honorable discharge. Two weeks before his discharge, Alice gave birth to their second son, Jason Don. Um, was he there for the conception? Well, I'm assuming so. I'm just curious. Because he was going down with the other seamen. I well, mean, he was with other se- He was being a seaman? Shut up. Well, let's just put it this way. I have a cousin who's in the Navy or was in the Navy, and he was deployed a lot, but he has five children that coincide with his leaves. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's amazing because I've seen pictures of him for somebody who looks like they're gay. He does not. He looks fabulous. Oh, my In God. In his little dress whites. <laughs> little cousin, you are a cutie patootie. <laughs> That's funny because my best friend is also infatuated with him. So now that my two best friends are, I think he's, you know, whatever. <laughs> All I can say is, call me. <laughs> call me, soldier. <laughs> <laughs> call me, sailor. That's we'll it, have right a good there. time. Call me, sailor. <laughs> <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> I can't even go on. So Jeff and Alice lived in San Diego with their two children as after he was discharged from the military. And they once again became very active in the RLDS church. And they oftentimes looked to convert their friends to their faith, which is common. So supporting their growing family soon became a little bit of a problem. So Jeff decided to move them back to Independence, Missouri to see if he could get a better paying job. Um... <clears throat> Excuse me, hang on. <coughs> I have something in my... Shut up. No, it's like a tick. Never mind. What were you doing after this show? <laughs> I know she like disappeared for a little while back out in the parking lot. Did you make tips? Uh, dude, I went and got your truck. <laughs> now what? Uh-huh. what you're doing in the back of my truck. Okay, yeah, whatever. I, I noticed it so, had an odd, odd aroma. Oh, I hate you. So no matter what Jeff tried to do, he couldn't manage to hold it down a job for more than a couple weeks at a time because he was irresponsible by nature. He didn't have a good work ethic. Then on June 21st, 1979, uh, the couple welcomed their third child, a girl by the name of Kristen Michelle. Some say Alice planned this pregnancy specifically to save the couple's marriage and to curb his wandering eye. That happens quite often, it even does. in today's society. People go, hey, our marriage is all screwed up. Should we go to counseling? No. Let's, let's have, have a, a baby. Yeah. yeah. Because let's throw another wrench into this mix. Yeah. That's just not, that's not going to be yeah. another stressor. Having a, yeah. Having a child does not solve a problem, people. Yeah. Because while, while kids can be great joys, and, and I've said this before, children that you have that are your spawn, they are the only people on the planet that you can simultaneously love with all of your heart and protect them. To the ends of the earth. And, and with at the every same fiber time, of your being. Yep, and at the same time, go, I hate this person. I, I would drown you. them yes. in a friggin' minute if they yeah. don't. Know. And that's why, you know, uh, you, you see it on TV shows, but it's very true where you see the dad sitting there and he's like, guys, you, you got to knock this off. Please, come on, dude, stop. Please stop. And then you're sitting there and you see him boiling and all of a sudden he yells, just stop or I'll kill all of you people. I don't know what's wrong yeah. with you. And they go, God, Dad, we don't know why you're psycho. <laughs> Look in the mirror. You're the reason. Yeah, you're the reason. Dad no. walks away with a freaking twitch. You know, I and know, everybody's right? like, oh, my God, he yelled at his kids. Why do no. you do that? He's so mean. Yeah, put up with my kids. Well, you know what the sad fact is, is after I had my son, because I did go through a little bit of postpartum depression, not a whole lot. Um, but after I had my son, there was one point when, and I told you, sir, about when we were coming back from California, from Wairika to Roseburg, 
Um, and at that point, I was like, I looked at my mom. I said, you know, I kind of understand child abuse now. However, I also understand self-control. You know what I mean? Because it's like, right, you right, have right. That, it's like, I don't know what else to do, you know. But then, <clears throat> so shortly after Kristen was born, Jeff would regularly abuse Alice and the children. At one point, he pushed Alice down a flight of stairs. It was so, the fall was so bad that it ruptured her spleen and she had to, re- she was required to go undergo emergency surgery. So then on September 13th, 1980, they welcomed their fourth child, Caleb Matthew. Um, as with the birth of Kristen, family members speculated that this pregnancy was another way for Alice to hold on to their marriage. Um, and, and, but we also know that Mormons don't believe in birth control either. So. Hold on to one more day. Yeah. Yeah, a little Wilson Phillips yeah. going on. So in um, 1981, the RLDS church asked Jeff to join their priesthood. However, he later said that it was at this time that he lost some faith, all the faith he had in his church and its teachings. He didn't like their liberal tendencies, which allowed women to become ordained as priests. And because that particularly upset him, he felt women did not have a place in you know, the authority of the church. Well, it's just true, man, because I, I women don't have the mental capacity. To you know what? I have an uncle that also believes women have no place in church authority. And Smart man. Whatever, dude. Smart man. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. He also doesn't believe instruments should be played in church. So now what? Oh, no. Okay. You know what? I don't like him anymore. Just, just, yeah, I, I knew you'd, kiss my you'd go from like to hate in a hot minute. There. No, I'm just kidding. I, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for women. As many jokes as I make, you wouldn't think so. But I do. I, I, here's my thought. Like, seriously. If women want to be welders, be a welder. If you want to be a priest, be a priest. Just not in the Catholic Church because, you know, molesting little boys just can't do that as a woman. Well, I guess you could. I guess you could. So you'd be right up there with the rest of the priests. But uh, do what you want to do. That's my thing. <laughs> yeah. So according to Jeff, he felt that Scripture contained the truth, and it was now his responsibility to find the answers. Okay? So he started a splinter group off the splinter group. Okay, and began holding study groups in his house. Members of this group included his friends from college like Dennis and Tanya Patrick, Dennis and Cheryl Avery, and Jeff's cousin, Debbie Olivares. So basically he had a broken board. Pretty much, Lots of splinters. Lots of splinters. Now, he seemed to have a way with people because he was able to attract a number of followers that believed he had uncovered some sort of truth in the scripture. According to a friend of his cousin debbie people appeared to worship the ground that he walked on and they would often donate money just to support the family okay jeff became started becoming very greedy and unhappy with small sums of money that his followers were giving him he eventually announced to his quote-unquote flock that it was time for him to move on and that the scriptures were commanding him to move to a place called Kirtland, Ohio, in order to receive the true power and message from God. What the flock? No, you I like t- what I did there with the I flock? Did, I yeah. did like that one, but I was <laughs> expecting it a little earlier, actually. Well, I was going to. I'm, I'm rubbing some stuff because as soon as I mentioned my pinched nerve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it so flared. I'm rubbing some balm on it, so that way there I don't cry like don't a little cry girl. like a little, like a little, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it right there. (laughs) So anyways, Kirtland itself calls itself the City of Faith and Beauty. It's a small 
typical town in the Midwest. It's a tight-knit community in northeastern Ohio that's approximately 22 miles east of Cleveland. And it was initially part of, quote, the Western Reserve, which is an area that was granted to the Connecticut Land Company. Now, the city's population has a population of nearly, I don't know, it's such a big town, 6,000 people, with an estimated population density of 353 people per square mile. Okay, so not a whole lot. Bigger than my hometown. Bigger, bigger than my hometown, too, actually, but whatever. People who are born and raised in Kirtland mostly elect to stay there, and their children choose to do the same. You know, and we've talked about that. A lot of people who live in small towns, have their families have just been there for generations, and they choose to stay. Otherwise, nobody really comes to a small town to live. That's for the inbreeding. <laughs> Shut up. While Kirtland may only be 17 square miles in size, there are several churches of different faiths in that little tiny town. They're actually... In honesty, there are 10 churches, six Protestant, one Catholic, three branches of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and one more in the planning stages. And a partridge in right? a pear tree. How do you have three LDS churches in one tiny little town? I think that'd be awesome, man. They can have like a smackdown going on, you know? But Let's get ready like, to rumble. Makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense. They, I, I, I think you can't tell me awesome. your congregation is so big that you need three churches to hold them. No, they need to have wrestling matches to establish dom- dominance. That's what it is, you know? <laughs> They're placed in heaven. <laughs> That's right. They can all fight each other, wrestle each other. Oh, and we see I that. I get the right hand of God. <laughs> we see that Ezekiel has got Jedediah pinned down from the uh, LDS church on 5th in Maine. It's not looking like a good day for him. Oh, and suplex. <laughs> He's out. The figure four. (laughs) That hurts. (laughs) So on October 19th, 1984, the Lundgren family arrived in Kirtland and immediately began to like scope out the area. Jeff later told people that after he toured the small town, he felt an undeniable urge to stop at Shapen Forest. It's a country park located less than five miles from the Kirtland Temple. And it was there that Jeff later told his followers that he discovered where the Book of Mormon plates had been buried after being brought over from the Holy Land. Is it in our storage? Nobody knows where they are. It's a, it's in our storage. It's in our storage. Yeah, I wish. I'm pretty sure that that that's where we've got all kinds of crap in there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> So after he left the Chapin Forest, Jeff and Alice visited the Kirtland Temple and were almost immediately offered positions as guides. These duties would include long hours at the temple's visiting center, giving tours of the temple to visitors. In exchange, the the church offered them free room and board in a house behind the temple and a salary of $125 a week. Now, Jeff relished the fact that he was now able to guide people through a temple and at the same time mingle his own views in with those of the church. You know, got a little pepper his own opinion in there. Oh, totally. <clears throat> now, the, as far as the Kirtland Temple is concerned, it was constructed in 1833 at the direct at the direct orders of Joseph Smith Jr. He was also a self-professed visionary, considered as a modern prophet by all of his followers. Prior to him being assassinated in Carthage, Illinois, Smith founded several Mormon communities throughout Missouri, Illinois, and Ohio, and was also credited by the church for translating the Book of Mormon for them. 
Now, Joseph Smith Jr. also told his followers on December 27, 1832, that he had received a revelation from God that a temple was to be built in Kirtland. Dedicated in, 19, in 1836, the temple was one of the largest buildings ever built in northern Ohio. And it's a combination of Greek, Georgian, Gothic, and Federalist architecture styles and is a National Historic Landmark to this day. Hang on, I gotta make sure. Okay, I had to make sure my ringer was off. The first floor of the Kirtland Temple was at one time used just for worship, and the second floor was a school for the ministry. Then the third floor contained rooms for the high school students, and the west rooms on that floor were Joseph Smith's office and, you know, that stuff. So today, the Kirtland Temple, owned by and maintained by the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, is open for tours throughout the entire year. And it wasn't long before Jeff realized that it was utterly impossible to live off the money he was earning from the church. So slowly, he began to skim money from the donations of the church, church donations and profits made at the visiting center, right? <clears throat> I'm, so, at, I'm in the wrong business. I need to go to church more often. <laughs> why, to, skim off, the, to skim profits? Why, thank you for this plate of money. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that you guys were... It around. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, I didn't even have to charge a cover charge for the door or anything. Damn. All right. Well, I guess we're playing. <laughs> You're so tough. Thank you for this plate of fine, fine finances. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind if I do. Thank you. No, I'm kidding. Um, let's see here. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, today the church estimates that approximately that he stole approximately $25,000 while he was employed there. Now, <clears throat> as Jeff had done in Independence, when he, when he moved to Ohio, he began teaching from his home. People were quickly just drawn to his seemingly boundless memory for Scripture. It's like he could just like rattle Scripture off the top of his head, quote the Bible, you know? And rumors were already beginning to circulate that he was more than just a church guide, and he was often compared to Joseph Smith himself. Whether he was a con man who believed his own con or a, a delusional fanatic, he seemed to have a very strong hold over his followers as they grew. Now, his former Navy pal, Kevin Curie, traveled to Kirtland in October of 1984 and was shocked to find Jeff at the Temple Visitor Center. Following a tour of the church, Kevin was invited back to the Lundgren house and was immediately taken in by Jeff's teachings. So much, he was so much inspired so much that he relocated to Kirtland and was soon turning over every paycheck to Jeff and his family. Now, during May of 1985, Danny Kraft and Sharon I'm going to mess this name up, Blunchley, B-L-U-N-T-S-C-H-L-Y. There's not enough vowels in that. God dang. Okay, okay. Look look here, Blunchley, Blunchley. Check. Change your freaking name. That's not right. You need Jesus. She she needs to smoke a blunt and get some vowels. No, no I, and I agree. Buy a vowel. I, I agree. You need to talk to Alex Trebek and... No, uh, Pat Sajak. Is it Pat? Oh, that's right. It's Pat Sajak. Alex Trebek was, was Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Yeah, well, talk to a good old Pat and Vanna. And buy yourself a damn vowel. <laughs> That's right. So in May of 1985, Danny and Sharon moved to Kirtland in search of jobs as guides with the church. As, as with Kevin before them, Jeff quickly took this, this, these two people into the family. 
While Sharon took care of the various household duties, Danny followed Kevin's example and began contributing all of his paychecks to the family. On By Memorial Day weekend that same year, 20-year-old Richard Brand traveled to Kirtland to partake in one of the temple's well-known tours. He was a native of Missouri and raised in the RLDS church and had just earned a degree in civil engineering from the University of Missouri. He was an and he was also engaged to be married and seemed to have his life in order, right? It's like everything's following suit for him. So after he took the temple tour, Lundgren invited Richard back to his house. And Richard was also impressed with Jeff's teaching. And he returned the following year and moved in permanently with this steadily growing family. And he then invited his friend Greg Winship to join the group. And <clears throat> and Greg was also a college graduate, had recently divorced his wife, and currently had no true path in life so he was very susceptible to the teachings upon visiting with his old friend greg was convinced jeff was a prophet and decided to join the family in order to learn god's message himself then by august of 1986 De dennis and tanya patrick and their daughter molly moved to kirtland from independence both were active church members and knew jeff and alice from college and the young couple while upset upset with the abusive way in which Jeff treated his children were also fascinated with his teachings that they saw no other alternative but to go along with what the group wanted. S see where this is leading? Oh yes I do. I, I think all Into roads the bedroom. I think all roads lead to Jonestown here. Oh yeah. No, I, I that's can see our that. little part of joke too, but you know <laughs> So by September of nineteen eighty six, Jeff's teachings were so extravagant that he often re included references to acts of violence and sexual acts as well. So once a Mormon is convinced that someone is in the same line of succession as Joseph Smith, that that new prophet can demand unquestionable loyalty. It's like as soon as they determine, hey, he must be a descendant of Joseph Smith, then it's like we must follow him and we must do everything he says. Right? My God, I'm going to become a prophet. You want to become a Joseph Smith successor? Successor? Oh, no, way better than that because I don't believe in Mormonism or Christianity. But, but. The Dalai Lama? <laughs> the Dalai Scotta. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? Yes. You're going to hate me. You could sit crisscross applesauce on the floor and we could rub your belly, Buddha. <laughs> Let me say. Let me tell you something here, woman. <laughs> Smart butt. I haven't taken a shower yet this morning. Oh God, stay away. <laughs> and I was too tired to take one last night. Now I have to take one here soon before I go get waxed. But yeah. you can kiss my dirty starfish <laughs> with your tongue. You're so sick. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> You're so gross. Woo, NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. The sad part is, is this unquestionable questioning loyalty uh, sometimes even went to the extreme of bloodshed. So under the living, quote, living prophet concept, Jeff became, quote, the point of authority in his in the eyes of his flock, his family, friends, advisors and their own reasoning and even scripture take a back seat as the prophets directors become the final authority. Okay, Kevin Curry no longer could no longer was no longer able to handle the teachings and he decided to leave the group. 
Shortly after Kevin decided to leave, Jeff began to profess to his followers that he had begun receiving revelations that named two specific dates for Christ's return. I've had revelations, so I'm, I'm right there with him. I'm not even going to ask. So I'm glad that you asked. I didn't. <laughs> My revelation is that whenever I use a public restroom, I'm, I'm going to always eat sauerkraut before, like the day before. Plan that out. Plan accordingly, Tammy. Plan accordingly. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so anyways, um, because, okay, for Christ's return, he claimed that Jesus would at that time destroy everyone except those who were deemed righteous inside the Kirtland Temple. Now, when both these for Christ's return came and went, his attention turned to, quote, another vision. He had that the group was to seize the Kirtland Temple on May 3rd, 1988, a date with extreme religious substance to this group. And it also happened to be Jeff's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jeff. Yeah. The plan involved formulating a hit list in which no fewer than 10 officials and area residents, along with anyone who got in their way, were to be executed in what he called a cleansing, which would then trigger an apocalypse. In preparation, this newfound cult began to build an arsenal. They marched in uniform, trained themselves to load and unload guns quickly, did calisthenics, studied military tactics, and watched violent movies in preparation for their, their upcoming combat. I'm surprised they didn't pull out a little um, Call of Duty there, but... I was kind of... Now I'm hoping that his parents pulled out, but no! <laughs> Can't have that, huh? Yeah. So... In January of 1987, rumors were, like, flowing rampant throughout in the upper statrum, state stratums. I don't know why I even have that word there. It's not one I use normally. Is that stratum <laughs> or strap-ons? Stratum. Oh, stratum. Of the church concerning Jeff's heretical teachings. Kirtland Police Chief Dennis Yarborough had also heard rumors of Lundgren's activities and actually went in question him. As expected, he got nowhere. In February, Jeff instructed Dennis and Tanya Patrick to take up residence in an apartment building directly across from the police station in order to, quote, keep an eye on them. Dude, he's like going all out. Mormon eyes are watching you, watching your every move. Sometimes I feel like somebody's are watching, watching me. I get no privacy. I can't get no privacy. <laughs> I could go on and just put Mormon into everything. I know you could. Into everything. So in April of 1987, Dennis and Cheryl Avery, along with their three daughters, moved to Kirtland from Independence. Cheryl Lynn Bailey Avery had been born in Washington State in 1947 and was a school teacher when she met Dennis Leroy Avery, some seven years old she he was like approximately seven years older than her and they met in 1970 they married shortly after that and they had three daughters trina denise march 7 1974 rebecca lynn january 23rd 1976 hey that's a year after me and karen diane august 3rd 1982 and mark the huh he came right after uh what was it tina denise denise the nephew Oh, my God. Trina Denise. Fine. Trina Denise and Mark DeNephew. Oh, my God. I hate you. <laughs> Dennis and Cheryl had become involved with the Lundgrens during Jeff's scripture classes in Independence. 
Unbeknownst to them, however, Jeff and Alice did not particularly like this family and would oftentimes chastise them, claiming that Dennis was weak and should not allow his wife to make all of these decisions in his family. Shortly after the Averys arrived in Kirtland, Alice confronted Jeff and asked him why he had allowed them to come. He said, and he told her straight up, so I can get their money, right? No, no, he didn't pull any punches. He's like, I just want their money. So the Averys had made $19,000 from the sale of their home in Independence. They turned over $10,000 of that to Jeff after he convinced them that he would take care of their needs. On or around April 19th, Jeff had a realtor show the Avery some houses that were up for rent in the area, and they eventually settled on a small farm outside on outside of town on Chillicothe Road. Jeff went with the couple while they looked at the home, and the owner, Stanley, oh my God, Skirbis, S-K-R-B-I-S, mentioned at that time that he also had a 15-acre farm available um, off of Kirtland Chardon Road. Just south of Kirtland. Although Jeff said nothing at the time, he made mental note of the other available location. <clears throat> so on Labor Day weekend that year, Char Lee Olson came to Kirtland to visit with her friends Greg and Richard. And Char was born in 1960 and had known Greg all of her life. After she met Jeff, she was so impressed with him that she arranged to move in with the family. She- she arranged to move in with the family shortly after that. Then shortly after her visit, Kevin Curry returned to the group with hopes that he had been mistaken about his decision to leave. Right? It's like he probably couldn't find what he was looking for anywhere else. You know? Like you too? Yeah. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. That one? Yeah. yeah. That's it right there. Like Bono. Like Bono. Yeah. So by September of that year, church officials, like, Authentic church officials realized the extent of Jeff's unorthodox teaching, and they officially revoked his his minister credentials. This angered Jeff so much that he immediately withdrew his membership with the church. Dale Luffman, president of the Northeast Ohio chapter of the RLDS, later stated, quote, he was silenced for ethical reasons. He would have been expelled from the church on the basis of unchristian conduct had he not withdrawn his membership. The RLDS leadership told Jeff to start looking for a new residence. His teachings would now increase, and then his teachings increased in volume and violence from that point forward. In need of a new place to live, because he can no longer live in the place behind the church, Jeff contacted Stan Skirvis and asked him about the farm property that he, that he had said was available. Since it was still vacant, Jeff arranged to move his family and his followers in as soon as possible. His cousin, Debbie Oliveras, joined him at the farm shortly after they relocated. Now, in December 1987, Ronald and Susie Luff moved to Kirtland. Ron had previously met Jeff when he worked as a guide at the temple and had been just, like, overcome by his teachings as well. I mean, there's no other better way to put it, but he was just, like, snowballed, you know? That makes sense. Well, that's, and that, that's what cultish leaders do it is and, they not very just them, no it's it's a freaking it's it's yeah what you, people don't understand is they are very charismatic and they know how to speak to people's needs well it's religious leaders in general no like that you, too, you yeah. never see a televangelist for example like uh oh i can't remember Billy his Graham? 
uh, him or Joel Olstein. Oh my gosh, not Joel Olstein, yes. Yeah, they're they're not getting on there talking calm like, hey man, this is the Bible, this is what we believe in. Let me tell you the good and the bad. What have not? No, there's no brothers and sisters. The you bakers. have to listen to me. Oh my God, the Lord has talked to me Himself, and He. This is what He said. You have to send me ten thousand dollars. As they immediate. like hold their Bible up and like wave it around. Yeah, right. That that's what they do. They're always yeah. charismatic, and honestly, I think that they're all full of crap. That's just yeah. me, though. My per- my personal opinion does not reflect Twisted Blue LLC or Brutal Nation at all. I just, no, it's just, just all me. Opinion. Well, yeah. No. Um, where was I? Oh, anyways. The Luffs were also raised in the RLDS church and were married in 1981. They had two children and appeared to be very happy. It wasn't long before the Lundgrens took them in as they had with others and as they had with the others before them and just like enveloped them into the fold and brainwashed them. So Jeff's arsenal was beginning to grow at a rapid pace throughout the rest of 1987. His eldest son, Damon was in charge of training the men in combat and marksmanship. Um, he would often uh, develop mock scenarios where, that they played out on the farm and numerous times at the temple at night. Plans to take the temple were still discussed, and hours were spent going over diagrams of the building, maps of the area, and everything else they could get their hands on. Because if there, if ever there was a time to fear Jeff Lundgren, it was then more than ever, and nobody was fearing him like as much as they should have been. <clears throat> now, in February 1988, Kevin Curry once again became disenchanted with Jeff and his teachings. He decided it was time to leave the group and never look back. He was like, you know what? I was right in leaving the first time. I need to get the hell out. So Kevin was afraid for his life, though, if Jeff ever found him and made sure to co- So he made sure to cover his tracks when he left for Buffalo, New York. However, no matter how hard he tried, he was not able to keep Jeff's plans out of his head and decided to contact the FBI, right? So the Bureau, when they received his call, assumed it was a prank. They decided just to pass the information over to the Kirtland Police Chief, Dennis Yarbrough, as, as opposed to looking into it themselves, right? And Yarbrough was a 49-year-old man. He had been Chief of Kirtland PD for nearly 12 years, and his career, but his career had started in the military. So when he decided he wanted more of a challenge out of life, he went into law enforcement. Upon receiving the fax, not even a phone call from the FBI, he received a fax from the FBI, he was convinced that it was a serious, serious claim, and he started an investigation into Jeff and his followers, okay? Now, Jeff was still, uh, let's see, what's the best word I can look for? I Is fuming, right? I, and he was just still livid about the... Uh, what he thought that, you know, the deceit and the treachery that Kevin had left under. He was even angrier when Shar told him that she was going to leave the group. She said she wanted to leave for some time, but also feared that she would be murdered by Jeff or his followers. Finally, she got up enough courage to walk out on the Lundgren family in May. She later said that she had felt that anyone who continued to follow Jeff's teachings at that time would wind up dead or in prison. Right. So for the remaining of that summer, Jeff and his followers regularly gathered at their rented farmhouses at the rented farmhouse for scripture studies that would often last long into the night. And he frequently 
wore military fatigues during those t- during those Bible study sessions, right? And he kept a loaded pistol within reach at all times. Talk about instilling fear. Yeah, no kidding, man. But it's I see like, where he's going with it. I see where he's yeah, going with it. It's like you see him just instilling the fear in people. Now, Jeff fed the group a hybrid mixture of biblical and Mormon scriptures, all interpreted to meet his own personal needs. Most anything could be a sin, adding too much garlic to a meal, as Dennis Avery did at times, or keeping money to oneself. Hold the hell on. Right I know, right? There. Scott, you are going to burn now, in hell for the garlic you eat. Now I'm upset. <laughs> Let me tell you people out there who listen to our podcast, listen up, listen up, listen up, turn the volume up. There is no, absolutely no such thing as too much garlic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there kind of is. When no, you no, can, there is. You shut you your whore mouth. you taste the garlic when the food is still on your plate, <laughs> then there's too much garlic. No. Never too much garlic. That's like saying that's too much bourbon. Oh, that's true. There's not too much tequila. Exactly. You have too much alcohol on the bar in your personal home. Liar. Get out of here. Take that. Take that blasphemy somewhere else, brother. Brothers and sisters. I'm here to tell you a story about the Lord. And the Lord says that there is not too much booze on my bar. And the Lord says there is no such thing as too much garlic. Can I get a hallelujah, bro, bro, brothers and sisters? Hallelujah, brother Scott. Hallelujah, brother Scott. I even agree with that. <laughs> this guy here, he's he's crazy. I I, I, th- I think he might be a Jew, maybe, in, in disguise of a Mormon. We should get him in the showers, too. I agree. Hey, 100%. Dieter, Scott doesn't have Jaeger on his bar, though. That is a problem. I've, <laughs> I've spoken to him many times about that. You need the Jägermeister and the Gottschlager. What That's is right. wrong with you, Scott? I'm working on it, okay? i got to restock the whole bar. God dang right you do. Damn it. I didn't see one PBR anywhere near the bar. I don't know what's wrong with you, Scott. And by the way, by oh, the God. way, why don't you have a NASCAR uh, picture of Dale Earnhardt anywhere in your studio or your house or near your bar at all? I do not know what is wrong with you. <laughs> Why do you like the NASCARs so much? It is stupid. They just go in one big circle. And if you want to see Rex, you could just look at the news. The news has traffic accidents all the time. Look at Los Angeles. Especially on the it's your business. You don't understand. Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr., you dang Nazi bastard. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I think that you and I need to have a discussion in, in definite private, very much private, Mr. Jethro. Screw you, Nazi bastard. <laughs> God damn it. Woo! Need NASCAR. more NASCAR. The South arise again. <laughs> get them, sweet baby Jenny. <laughs> Hold on. I'm trying to get them all out of the damn room. Because they're going to... Hey, hey. No, they fight the hell off. He started it, Scott. Now I have to show him just what kind of Nazi leader that I was. Bring it. Bring it, you <laughs> German bastard. I'm... Woo! Hold on. Take my shirt off right here. I fought trees, all right? <laughs> I have kicked the butts of many a trees. I'll take you, too. Oh, it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. Okay, boys, both of you separate. Separate, okay? You, Dieter, over in that corner. Okay, Jethro, over here. We'll take care of this shit later. All right? Can't be fighting on the damn show. We got to wrap this up. I have a waxing appointment. I'm almost done. I got my eyes on you. All right, German boy? I got my eyes on you. Oh, I know that you do. Are you sure that you're not one of them homosexuals? Oh, that's it. I will kill you. 
I won't kill you now. Oh, I'm hoping that you die. Okay. <laughs> Dater. Okay. Corner. <laughs> For you, Miss Tammy, I will do it because I love you. I, I love her more. <laughs> Dear God. Yes, I know that you think that you do because you have the El Camino and the PBRs and you want to get her in the back of the El Camino. I, I, I'm just going to sit over here and read a book because Thank I just, you. I cannot, I cannot deal with the Jethro's today because it's just too much. It's too much. I, I, I need, I need some schnapps. Oh no. So anyways, um, where was I? Do, do, do. Oh, anyways, on February 18th, 1989, Jeff invited his friend Larry Keith Johnson to the farm. Larry and his, key, his wife Kathy readily accepted the offer and began their move from Missouri. Larry, an old friend of Jeff's from college, had married Kathy Renee Hubbard Johnson during her freshman year in 1976, and the couple had four children together and had remained good friends with the Lundgrens over the years. Then in April of, on April 4th, 1989, Jeff's, following Jeff's instructions, Greg Winship and Debbie Oliveras were married in a ceremony performed by Jeff himself. The next day, Richard and Sharon were married in an identical ceremony. Within two months of the wedding, Sharon was pregnant with the couple's first child. Now, this is my last little section because then we're going to have to end for the day. But from the beginning, Jeff promised his followers he would take them to see God. To make the journey, he said the cult first had to seize the Kirtland Temple, kill anyone who tried to stop them. However, as time went on, he began to revise his plan and claimed to have another vision. A vision that told him to sacrifice told him the sacrifice of the Avery family would be enough for the group to reach their goal rather than having to take over the temple, right? That is where he is making a mistake. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Fine. Finish what you got to say. We did that to Poland. Do you not remember? We seized Poland and we took care of most of the Jews. Just saying, you should have seized the temple. That's <laughs> where you start. <laughs> um, who lost the war? Win, lose, it's all the same. Do you think they were out of the game totally? You would be wrong. Okay. So, let's see. Oh, anyways, Jeff felt that Cheryl Avery was too headstrong and that her children were unruly. Dennis was beginning to question Jeff's teachings during class, and no one ever questioned Jeff's word, and the others in the group could not understand why Dennis could not comprehend the lethal ramifications of questioning anything that Jeff did. The group considered all the traits the Avery family showed as extremely sinful, you know, because they were blinded by Jeff's, like, teachings. And by know? the light. Wrap up like a deuce another rumor in the night. No, I, I, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Here we go. So in Jeff's eyes, their death would cause the others to fear and respect him even more. It was time to show this group just how far he was willing to go to get his goals met and to become totally dominant over everybody. On April 10th, Jeff decided to put his plan into action and he ordered Keith and Ron to begin digging a pit in the barn to conceal the bodies. The men were instructed to make certain that they were out of the barn whenever Dennis was around the house. They made plans to abandon the farm after the murders were committed, and they instructed the women of the house to begin packing all of the belongings. Jeff informed the Averys that the group was going on a wilderness retreat and that they should prepare to leave Kirtland. The roughly six-foot... 
I'm sorry. The roughly six feet by seven feet by four feet pit took them four days to dig. Okay? That's where I'm ending it. All righty. Now that I've gotten everybody else quieted down, I can freaking, God dang, man. I don't know what's up with everybody today. They're all edgy. They're all edgy. All it's because you're tired and can't <sighs> keep the locks on. Well, the, the problem is I almost had Morty the Jew come out and start spouting stuff, too. It was just, it was bad. Anyway, remember you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out us out on Medium. Crime Beat on Medium. And wherever you get your blogs, just type it at BrutalNation. We'll pop right up. Get the full story without any of my bullshit. And you don't have to listen to these other people who are crowded in here, you know, trying to fight with each other. It's like herding cats. That's what this is like. Mm-hmm. It's like herding cats with chickens. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.